You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 77 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We're coming to you on Wednesday, May 9th, and I am the world's worst podcast host, Vince. Uh, thankfully, Roger's here to keep me in line. You know what? I wanted to actually kind of splice that in somehow into last week's episode, if there would have been a way from... Because <laughs> you, like, you, when you messaged, it was like, well, I haven't edited at all at this point, but there was just no way to... It would have just been me mocking you, and there's enough of that in the show, I figured. That's pretty much the only thing the appeal the show has. Really? <laughs> well, uh, uh, as for why I'm the world's worst comic book host, remember last week when I was talking the, about the how latest reason Wednesday why. was the beginning of a string of awesome days because we had you know, a bunch of new comics coming out. We had Avengers coming out on Friday. And I completely forgot to mention that Saturday was also free comic book day. So, um, sorry. Luckily, it was everywhere. <laughs> it was actually trending on Twitter. That's how popular it was. Everybody was talking about it. So I doubt anybody missed out. I'm sure there's one person that's really Possibly. angry at us right now. Yeah. Actually, had you not told me, I might have missed out. <laughs> <laughs> so normally uh, on free comic book day, I make the trip up to the good comic shop around here. But, you know, it's a 20 minute drive and I actually had to work on Saturday. So instead, I ended up going to the crappy local shop that I hate, but it's right across the street. So I, my free comic book day was not terribly impressive, but you had some fun. Well, I actually decided that I'd take my son with me, my youngest. And um, and so I <laughs> strapped on the knee braces and get all ready because I, I knew that I'd be waiting at least a little bit, but I didn't realize it would be waiting as long as we did. Like I, I got us there as the store was opening. The lineup was around the freaking block. And so I was like, oh, crap. So go over. Luckily, it was an absolutely beautiful day. So stood around and then it didn't take long before the cosplayers came out, which is if you're looking at your screen now, <laughs> there's going to be some interesting pictures that you can look at. Um, so we had a Darth Vader. We had a some sort of old woman who was a Sith warrior. She was awesome. There was a, a Boba Fett in jeans. That killed me. And, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I snapped some shots with them. And, uh, and we finally got in. And the, 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 the one that we went to is a decent sized one in town, actually. And, uh, and so we went in and we grabbed all of the, the comments and all that. But of course, by the time we got there, they were out of the freaking hardcover mouse guards. And so we made the trek over to the other comic book shop were buy most of my comic books. And, uh, and he didn't have any either. So I was pretty disgusted as is apparent by my twitters my tweets <laughs> that day i was just so disappointed and then it turns out that there was a shop in in the states i think it's in new york where they actually had something that they were giving away they would mail you you just have to pay for the mail the, the shipping so i did that of course i haven't seen them yet i'm hoping they're going to be sent and i just didn't waste all that money on shipping for nothing did you at least have a pretty decent haul there was quite a few there was, I mean, granted, I mean, you're, you're looking at, you know, 
world's most dangerous animals really is. Okay. <laughs> Freaking Voltron. Not going to be yeah, like, that either. I was actually pretty disappointed this year because last year we had a really good lineup of free comic book say stuff, uh, both from, you know, the smaller companies as well as from the big guys like Marvel and DC, but especially from, you know, the big two, I was really disappointed this year. I, uh, Marvel had <laughs> one of the most hilariously bad showings I've seen. <laughs> Did you get any of theirs? The Spider-Man one were so laughably bad that, well, one of them is an Ultimate Spider-Man number one, but it's like I think it's the from what will be a comic or a a, a cartoon. It looks like mm-hmm. it's it's bad. Oh my god, it's bad. And now, granted, it's for kids. It's like it's for young kids. So it's like okay, fine, but. I wasn't digging it at all. And uh, considering what we've seen from Ultimate Spider-Man in the past year, <laughs> this ain't it. This ain't even close. And then there was a Spider-Man as well. Spider-Man Season 1. Mm-hmm. And it, because we haven't seen the origin story often enough, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, you, you really need to pound us over the head with the origin story because otherwise we'll forget how he got his powers. So this was good to see. Um, terrible. Uh, and then there was the, what am I looking at? The Avengers one. The Avengers was... Uh, Which one? Because there was actually two of them. Did it Was it Age of Ultron? Age of Ultron. There was two. I only saw one. I, well, we'll get to the second one because it's hilarious. Really? I only saw one. There is a picture of Thor hitting Ultron and the look on his face, I want to make an avatar out of it. Just because it is so, so bad. Um, this Age of Ultron, it wasn't terrible, but it was like, meh. Well, the meh. Age of Ultron was actually a reprint of uh, an Avengers point one issue from last year. Yeah. So, I, yeah, if you haven't been reading Avengers, okay, interesting. But I've already read this issue, so whoop-de-doo. Yeah. And <laughs> what's hilarious, the point one issue, the, the supposed jumping on point was a prologue to a story that they still haven't done. (laughs) (laughs) And also, for whatever reason, because Bendis kind of has a thing for her, there's the the scene where Spider-Woman gets captured, and for, again, whatever reason, they strip her down. Well, they couldn't have that in a free comic book day edition that a bunch of kids are going to pick up, so they didn't redraw it. They just colored her skin the color of her costume, and it's hilarious. Dude, there is so much TNA in all of these free comics, it's not funny. It's like, as soon as I get to something where it's just blatantly, that's all it is, it's like, okay, well, I'm done with this one. All right, I'm done with this one. (laughs) No, but the best, and I use that very loosely, was the Avengers Ultron Quest free comic book day issue. And give me one second, because I'm pulling this out right now. And it started off, I was like, oh, cool, Thor, Iron Man, Hulk, you know, fighting Ultron. This is going to be great. And it turns out it's basically a 20-page advertisement for a hotel chain. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> They're like, oh, we have Ultron scattered across the world. And here we go. <laughs> so Tony Stark's like, don't worry, I got this covered. Being something of a jet setter, I've earned enough Wyndham reward points to ge- get us a free room in each one of those cities. And he's got, like, the business card with their... <laughs> It's hilarious. Oh, so then the next page is a montage of them all hanging out in these beautiful hotel rooms, saying how great all the amenities are. God, that is terrible. But you know what? That's what a lot of these are. The, instead of 
being i i'm, I'm all right with like just the the mini stories kind of thing mm-hmm. although when it's too many in one it's like really three pages we're, how much are we supposed to take from this story when you're giving us three pages but some of it it's just too much and then the advertising the different issues and the this and the that the freaking the the new 52 wow mm. what mm. you know what the only takeaway from this is is that freaking gorgeous thing in the middle <laughs> from jim lee <laughs> <laughs> that is but uh, that's it the, even with that new 52 it's like i've been reading justice league yeah <laughs> and this still kind of didn't make a whole lot of sense no nah, it was i i didn't like it at all what else did dc put out because i don't have anything the else from only DC. other one i got from dc was their dc nation one like basically advertising the animated stuff okay, that they have right. on cartoon network yeah so that was it i did read some interesting ones from the other stuff the, oh yes the uh i i actually really like the serenity star wars one from dark horse it's the same story um just using the different the different uh uh, Serenity and, and Star Wars. And I really liked that one. Did you get a chance to read it? I, I did. The Star Wars one, eh. But the Serenity one was fun. Like, yeah. even though Well, the it was the same thing. That's what... It was a little funky in places. It was... Like, you, it was so on point, I was reading it in their voices. Exactly. That's the thing that I pulled from that. That's um, Zach Whedon, who's Joss Whedon's brother. And uh, he's the one that wrote it. And the, the, the language is bang on. Like the writing is bang on for them and how they speak. So you can see the characters so very clearly. And then also their mannerisms and everything with River. The um, Initially when I saw the art, I was like, eee. But you know what? By freaking page three, it had grown on me so much that now I absolutely love it. I just, I, I just loved it. And then, yeah, the Star Wars one was weaker. But again, it was... I still found that because I tied it into what had happened in the Serenity when I was like, okay, I see what you're doing here. It's cute. It's not a phenomenal story in and of itself, but it's all right. But uh, yeah, I, I like that one. Were you able to get the other one from Dark Horse? Because I wasn't. It was the Guild and something else. It's the... Give me a second and I will even pull it out. I've got it right here. Don't mind my voice going away from the microphone periodically. Um, it's... Damn it. And you know what's funny is I literally just was reading it before we started recording so it's in here somewhere I'll See, i'm upset that i missed that one because it was actually the second half oh, of the little alabaster story they had in there too the oh is it okay it's the buffy buffy and the guild buffy and the guild okay yeah. now and then they have a no, they alabaster do. shelter which is a little mini stories based on a comic they do they touch do. on later and yep. the first half was in the serenity one and the second half was in the buffy one i wasn't digging the first half in the serenity so i didn't even read this one mm-hmm. and in terms of the guild and buffy one well the guild one was terrible it was the equivalent of a jughead comic book kind of thing it was just bad uh and then i didn't even bother reading the buffy one because i'm not a big buffy fan to be honest yeah so um i did read the did you get a chance to read uh, bad medicine I did not even know that one existed. It's actually quite good. It's uh, it's actually really, really quite good. I enjoyed it a lot to the point where you know I would read this series. It was it was fun. It was well written. I enjoyed it. The Lady Death. Oh my God! Just a very, very I quote very thinly veiled attempt at uh, excuse for for TNA. Uh, it's absolutely terrible. I. Not worth the paper it's printed on. Oh, this I love. This I love. Jurassic Strike Force 5. <laughs> Dinosaurs 
in Mass Effect type clothing <laughs> fighting with laser guns and shit. Sorry, damn it, I'm going to have to bleep that out. And of course, I love that the dinosaur, the female dinosaur that's orchestrating this, you know, X-Men type of hollow event thing that's gone awry, she's got boobs. Of course. She's got a chest plate because she's got boobs. She's a freaking dinosaur. Oh my God. It's, <laughs> oh dear Lord. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Atomic Robo was fun. Oh, yes. That, fun romp. That was one um, that Zub had recommended to us. And I was like, okay, cool. They got a free comic book issue. I loved it. And now I'm definitely going to be checking out the regular series. And the Neo Zolk, Zoik, Zolk, whatever that that is, that they had a short little story mm-hmm. in there. That was actually quite cool, too. I, yeah, at first really I was cool like, style, interested Oh, in yeah. But at first I was thinking, okay, we're seeing too many dinosaurs here. What the hell is this trend going on? <laughs> Look, but I kind of like it. This a, one. A, a time, what was it? A Timosaurus Rex, yeah, Futurosaurus Rex that had evolved <laughs> that was to have missile launchers. <laughs> and when he spit the guns out and caught them in his little T Rex hands, that was great. Yeah. Um, the other one that I really liked, which is more geared towards a younger audience, but I thought it was fantastic, was Finding Gossamer. Mm-hmm. Um, the art is absolutely insane. The, it's illustrated by Sarah Ellerton. Wow. Just just wow and then the story was interesting did you get a chance to, to read that one no okay so basically I, I, like i said i missed a, a bunch big of, chunk of the okay whole. basically it's a a a sister who is trying to get her brother obviously they're they're orphans um her brother into some kind of program or something for geniuses and they have to work on this insanely difficult formula that nobody's ever been able to work on and, and more of this theorem and um and in so doing, he realizes that it actually opens up a portal to another type of either dimension, parallel dimension, or universe, or whatever kind of thing. And when he realizes that, he stops working on it and wants to take off. And they want to keep his equations that he was working on, and he doesn't want to let them because he knows that they can't handle it. They won't. They're not smart enough to handle the the portal, the the gateway between the two kind of thing. It it was a, a unique way of working on that kind of theme and again the artwork was just so fantastic it was very well written i liked it a lot Mm. Uh, and that came with on the flip side of that one was the stuff of legends which the story was so so but the art was just wow just unbelievable art and style one that I was actually really happy to see was the transformers 80.5 issue uh IDW is actually bringing back uh, the original creators of the Transformers comic series that Marvel put out in the late 80s, and they're picking up exactly where they left off uh, back in 1991. So the first issue they're publishing is issue 80 is issue 81. So this is a cool bridging the gap between the two. And like as somebody who read a number of these comics in my younger days, of course, it was so cool because they, they were touching on some of the previous storylines, kind of establishing where things were, and they'd redrawn some of the more iconic panels from that old school series. So the scene where, you know, Shockwave has the Autobots captured hanging upside down or Optimus Prime's beating the crap out of Bludgeon. I remember those exact scenes from the old comics. So seeing them redrawn and they're really picking up exactly where they left off that excites me as a fan i haven't had a chance to read that one yet i i will i again i'm kind of muscling through here and some of these i'm not even bothering with like my favorite martian 
Really? Seriously? <laughs> my favorite Martian? <sighs> one one last one I want to touch on is the uh, the Valiant free comic book day issue. We talked about Valiant last week, how they were you know a failed company that was making a comeback. And this is not a good way to do it. They took uh, two of their uh, launch titles, uh, XO Man of War and Harbinger, and just like plucked six to eight pages out of each of them and shoved them into a free comic book issue with a whole bunch of interviews in, in between. And like, they, they were just out of context scenes that made a- absolutely nobody would want to read the full issues based upon these little excerpts they give us. Like, I, I couldn't even tell you what Harbinger is about at, from the sampling they gave us. And that's what, again, we've been seeing a lot in these, and that's what they're doing. And, it, and it's kind of, it's upsetting because I know what they're doing. It's, it's, all it is is, a, is advertising for them, whereas instead they should be looking at it as a means of the whole point of introducing new readers to, uh, to comic books. So you would think that the best way to do that is not just cram advertising down their throats or just little snippets that don't mean anything to them, but actually give them a story that they can care about the characters so that from there they want to buy more comics because they've gotten to know the characters and they, they like it. Like Atomic Robo, again, perfect example of that. Full story, fun quirky you get it right from the get-go and it's like i care for these characters i do want to read more whereas some of these other ones it's like what the hell is going on here if this is what i can expect from the series forget about it and i'm just remembering back to last year and specifically marvel and dc because if they're supposed to be the industry leaders they should kind of have a handle on this and i remember last year like off the top of my head they put out uh, Marvel put out a Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, and DC put out a Green Lantern. Both of those were original stories created specifically for Free Comic Book Day from the actual teams on the ongoing comics, and they were both really good, if I'm remembering correctly. And the fact that they both companies completely dropped the ball this year that hurts. Yeah, uh, DC. Another one, of course, is they they did their little for kids the Superman Family Adventures and then Green Lantern. Um, the yeah, that was. That was the DC Nation one. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, well, on one side. On the other side, it was just DC. Anyways, but yeah. No, I I agree. I agree. I was overall, what I was impressed with were the few titles that were out of left field that was like, this was freaking awesome. I actually would read more of this. But sadly, they're, they're, again, just a lot of these I found that the, it's, it's, it's hard enough cramming in a, single coherent story that stands on its own well enough that will make people care about in 22 pages let alone when you're also creating the flip book where then your story is that much shorter and some of these want to even put the letters to the editor kind of thing in there as well or some sort of article and it's like jesus you're 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 giving us three pages here to care about these people forget about it it's not going to happen and it's yeah, it's just it wasn't a good year all around. And apparently not a lot of people read the gutters because Archaea was doing it right, but nobody had a chance to read the thing. Yeah, I dude, I better get mine. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> all right. So aside from that, there's a couple number ones I wanted to uh, at least briefly touch on this week. I'm sure we'll come back to them in a little more detail in the future. And the first is one that uh, we were mentioning last week, and that's Mind the Gap by Jim McCann with art by Rodin Esquejo and Sonia Oback. And this is just this weird mystery that 
I don't know <laughs> how long McCann was working on this story, but there are layers on top of layers here. And of course, he has to be a jerk at the end and tell us that there's all these clues in there that right from the start, we can figure out who you know is responsible for what's going on. And I'm, I'm just really interested to see how this plays out. I'm going to call it mind trip from now on. <laughs> Seriously, I was reading that and I'm going, what the hell is going on? And I think that he, again, I think that it came off as trying a little too hard at points. And so that was kind of like, eh, and a little bit too much where um, you can always tell when you're, you're writing something or if you're reading something that someone wrote and they've been working and mulling it over for quite a while and to them it makes perfect sense <laughs> because they know everything all the backstories even if it's not written so to them it makes sense but then when you're reading it it's like how did you make that leap from that to that and it's it's, it's not always clear so there were a few points like that that i found that i thought well this probably could have been handled a little bit better but of course that's subjective yeah, but it's definitely something I'm going to continue reading in the future just because I, I have to know at this point. Like, they've set up this completely crazy premise with the, the, the coma patients and the weird, you know, ethereal world where an awesome whole couple pages about Pink Floyd. That was okay. great. But I, I at this point, I just have to know. The, the only thing that was... Um... The, the main downside for me was the last panel because then all of a sudden it felt like dead man and <laughs> seriously taking over somebody's body. And so I was thinking, what is this going to be like a quantum leap dead man kind of series now? We've seen it. We're seeing it right now in dead man with dead man. So it's like, hmm, I if that's the route it's going to take, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. But we don't know. I mean, is she going to be possessing people's bodies to try to solve her attempted murder? Because, if, again, if so, we how many seasons of Quantum Leap? We saw this. We've been there, done that. I don't think we're ready for another one like this for a while. Mm -hmm. It's definitely something to keep a look on. And the other one I wanted to touch on briefly is also an issue on number one that came out uh, last month. And that's Alabaster Wolves. It's actually based on a series of novels, and uh, the same author is scripting the comics, Caitlin R. Kiernan, uh, with art by Steve Lieber. What did you think of that one? I thought it was interesting. I thought it's, I figured this would be right up your alley, because it's that mystical crap, and you mm -hmm. love that. Um, so reading it, it was like, I thought it was interesting, and I thought it was, you know, a little quirky and whatnot. It's, uh, I the writing was quite good. There wasn't enough to it that it's something that I would return to over and over again. If there was, say, a trade of it later on to read through the whole thing, then, yeah, I'd actually be interested in that. But to, on a monthly basis, go back to it, I don't think there was enough to, to keep my interest going that I really cared and was really curious about what's going to happen next. Now, I, I'm actually inclined to agree with you there, but, yeah, I, I did... One thing I really liked is that it picked up right in the middle. Like, we didn't get a whole origin story and a backstory, an entire issue of just boring stuff waiting for interesting things to happen. But even though we're picking up in the middle, there was enough established to the story that we can 
at least grab on and go, okay, and assume that in the future they're kind of going to expand the backstory. And that that's one thing that a lot of first issues don't do. They're either really boring or they don't make sense. And I think this was at least a nice balance between the two. It was a damn nice balance. I will give her that. She, and, and again, that's where you can tell the real skill of a, of a good writer. She, she just did this fantastic job of giving you all of the pertinent backstory that you need as you're reading along and done in such a way too that it's interesting again getting getting some of the the updates to put you up to date from a freaking bird (laughs) (laughs) and and a bird that's that you know a little snarky too it was interesting it was fun and so it didn't feel like a chore needing to hear about the backstory of this character and you got it from both sources like the the bird and the werewolf so you got it from two sources giving you little tidbits in their own way about the backstory for alabaster the 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 main character kind of thing um i can't remember her full name whatever it was um but yeah no i thought that the writing was really quite good so just uh to explain to our listeners because i don't even have that much knowledge of what's going on myself but uh it focuses around this main character this girl and it's some sort of I want to say post-apocalyptic, but not completely because the buses are still running. But there's supernatural stuff going on. Uh, She's being influenced by this angel that, you know, sending her after these various nasties, uh, you know, a werewolf, uh, particularly in this issue. And that's what was interesting in that uh, that free comic book day story, because she met up with the troll. And at the end of the first story, she's like, so are you going to eat me now? And I really wanted to know what happened after that. So they're mixing in real world, you know scenarios with this supernatural stuff and i have no idea what exactly is going on at this point but it's at least interesting oh definitely definitely and i like the art style i mean it's oh it's very much harsh and rough and, and and everything but it fits with that style of story again if it was something where it was in a collected edition of x amount of issues and all that i'd be all over it for sure because i think that as a story um having the story progress over again a, a long enough story arc kind of thing it would probably be fairly interesting following this character through that world that she's setting up so and then just from what we've seen already uh, briefly of the secondary characters they're engaging they're they're not flat i mean if you can make a bird that freaking engaging and interesting then you're doing your job right it's just that as a whole the story so far well there's not enough of it so and there's not enough to keep you interested in wanting to continue to keep coming back. But as again, as a, a trade later on, pff, I'm all over that. Yeah, really cool stuff. And we'll definitely check in on it later. So moving on to what we've been reading, I'm taking some uh, creative license here. And actually, the first thing I want to talk about is actually uh, novels. And while that's not something we traditionally talk about here, this is actually relevant because uh, they're novels by Jonathan Mayberry great friend of the show. I, I finally finished his uh, first trilogy of books, the Pine Deep trilogy, uh, started with uh, Ghost Road Blues, which is actually his first fictional novel that he'd written. And first of all, it was really cool to see the evolution of his writing over the course of the three books because, you know, it's his first novel. There was, I don't want to say stumbling blocks, but it wasn't as refined as it was at the end. So it was interesting to see that growth as a writer. But the story itself, it's, it disturbed me. 
<laughs> the the horror in this was very visceral and disturbing. It's actually based on actual folklore, which Mayberry is a bit of an expert on. So he was able to take that knowledge of traditional folklore and meld it into a modern day horror story. And what I liked the most about this story is that it's very much grounded in the real world. Like to the point where the word vampire isn't actually used in the book until the third novel. <laughs> because the characters in the book, when all this crazy stuff is going on around them, they take every possible rational conclusion before they realize, okay, we got vampires in the town. So it, it was that very grounded in actual real world that was refreshing to see because you see in some of the other movies and books like, oh, that guy must be a vampire. Let's get out the wooden stakes. No, it's that guy's a serial killer. That guy's some weird, you know, religious nut, you know, sat satanist and just the the logical progression of the characters to finally at the end of the second book when they realized what kind of deep crap they were in. It was very engaging. And just the imagery that he was able to twist out of those words still haunts me. <laughs> Hmm. Well, I really loved what he did with the um, the Rotten Ruin one and the uh, the other one as well, which I can't remember now. But I've read them both. I own them both, and uh, and I love his writing style. I love how he cares about characters as well, and kind of in the same way with the the Rotten Ruin and the other one, which are the post apocalyptic zombie um, novels. The he he draws his his because they're horror stories as well in a, in a way. Um, he draws you in through I don't want to say mundane things but real things that you can care about and in those a lot of them is the interactions with the other people who are as is often the case in post-apocalyptic kind of things there's going to be bad people and it's that that is more frightening it's those interactions with other people that have just turned evil feral in a way Whereas the actual interactions with the zombies is not what is as frightening. So he has that grasp on on what it is that is truly frightening in a, a horror novel. And it's not that supernatural. It's what we can actually relate to in our world kind of thing. So, so yeah, I can see that working really well in his other works as well. Mm -hmm. And I really like how he's taking these different approaches to traditional horror iconography, be it, you know, folklore or the post-apocalyptic setting, because I actually just started reading um, Patient Zero, which is the first book in his Joe Ledger series, which is zombies as bioterrorism. So it's essentially The Walking Dead starring Jason Bourne. So it, I'm maybe a quarter of the way through the first book, and it's just awesome. OK, I'll have to pick that one up as well. I would say it, it, it is a bit awkward because... All of Joe's scenes are in first person, but all the other stuff is in third person for the other characters. So it's taking a little getting used to, but I'm on board with the story and the setup. I actually wrote some stuff like that once before, just because it, it in, in what I was doing, it actually fit in the story. And it allows you, as a writer, because you're giving up so much by giving up first person. Um, mm -hmm. and, and you're... I mean, so much that you can convey that you can't otherwise. And sometimes you have a character that's still a central part of the story that you want to get in their head, and you simply can't get that in third person. So it's a it's a tool that's not used often, but I think that if used properly, really can create a can create a personal experience when it's supposed to be and allow you to be in observer mode, quote unquote, when need be. Mm -hmm. So it, it works. It's just, it takes a little getting used to as a reader. Right. 
Uh, aside from that, uh, not getting fully into comics yet, I do at least want to briefly touch on the Avengers ah, movie, which don't spoil I'm sure you haven't anything. seen. I haven't seen it yet, so don't okay. spoil No, I'm anything. not going to spoil anything. Uh, I will say, story-wise, it's standard, you know. Bad guy shows up, big threat, you know, superheroes get together, tensions arise, they fight each other, they come together, they beat the bad guy. So it, it's your traditional comic book superhero team-up story. Um, they're definitely hit the mark on any number of cliches, which I can get with because what really made the movie and why Joss Whedon was the perfect director for this movie is nobody handles an ensemble cast of varied characters better than he does yeah. look at Buffy yeah. look at Firefly the guy knows how to do it so taking Tony Stark and Captain America and you know all these varied characters and shoving them into one movie he handled it amazingly and it's really all of the character moments that make it so interesting yeah the, the plot itself might be kind of tired and cliched but everything that's happening along the way is really interesting um, well it's not just our, that but he can take um, not just a, a large group of people, but a large group of people that each in their own right is insanely strong in terms mm -hmm. of character development and things like that. And so it's not just that you have one star and then a whole bunch of others, like with the Avengers, Christ, they're all huge characters. Well, not all of them, but the majority of them. And and he can make it work well. Yeah, like and like those, the, those bits that we know exist, you know, the, the tension between Tony Stark and Steve Rogers, that's always there. Um, the interactions between Thor and Loki, great. Uh, Mark Ruffalo absolutely kills it as Bruce Banner. I can understand why they immediately signed him to do five more movies. He, it, he is now Bruce Banner. And I hate to say the exact same thing everybody else has said, but by far the Hulk steals the show in the movie. You know what, dude, the, the I final keep action that. sequence, which <laughs> I don't know how long it actually was in movie time, but it felt like I was there for a day and a half watching them fight the aliens in New York, and it was awesome from beginning to end. It's, it's really the first time I've seen Whedon do huge scale action and it worked so and quite possibly the biggest praise I can give the movie is this is the least I've ever hated Hawkeye you know what dude it's funny did did Joe send you the link to the video that uh, that his girlfriend posted no okay and see I I hate Hawkeye okay <laughs> and there's this video with the guy who plays him I can't remember his name Jeremy uh, Renner on Jimmy Fallon and so they're talking and whatnot. And he, I mean, he seems like a nice guy, of course. I just don't like Hawkeye. But they're talking, and then all of a sudden they're talking about him doing some karaoke kind of things and singing with a buddy of his who performs at a place. And so he's saying, well, okay, well, what are you singing all that? And he said, well, New York State of Mind is one of them. So then Jimmy Fallon gets the, the band to kind of start playing a little, and of course they don't know the song. But anyway, so he's he gives them a mic, and he says, here, just, just kind of do it a cappella. And so the guy takes the freaking mic and starts belting this song out, and it's just the double take that Jimmy Fallon takes because he wasn't expecting that he could sing. <laughs> this bastard can sing. And it was like, holy crap at hell. I was like, all right, fine. Maybe I'll like Hawkeye just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other movies I've seen him in, Jeremy Renner is a great Oh, actor. he's an amazing And the fact actor, that yeah. he's freaking Hawkeye just kills me. Yeah. I, we're dying to see it. I, we're going to wait a little bit, though. But, uh, yeah, very much looking forward to seeing it. I must say, I was very displeased, though, because all, and I mean all, I spent days looking, all of my local theaters, the midnight showings were 3D only. 
that really upset me because I have no interest in seeing any movie in 3D, especially one that wasn't filmed in 3D. So I actually had to wait until Friday. I took Friday off work so that I could go to the midnight <laughs> showing and end up not going to the midnight showing. I'll learn you. <sighs> anyway, one actual comic I do want to talk about is uh, Exo Manowar, the premiere for the Valiant Comics. I gave it a shot. I checked it out. And it's only a matter of time before we see this company go bankrupt again because this was a wreck. Really? Like, I, I understand what they're doing. The, the concept is, you know, this ancient Visigoth warrior, presumably sometime in the future, gets this alien battle armor and leads into a sci-fi story, which could be interesting. But it wasn't in the first issue because it was just a bunch of crap of <sighs> cliched stories of, you know, the Visigoths battling the Romans and then suddenly aliens, like literally <laughs> out of nowhere. They spend all this time at the beginning of the comic establishing these various... Uh, bits of Roman and Visigoth culture, like on the recap page that doesn't play into the actual comics at all, at least in the first issue. And I just find it very hard to believe that, you know, this character from God, what was it, like 400, the year 400 is just pretty much okay with being trapped on an alien ship and plans to go raid the armory, capture weapons and gain their freedom. Like it did not work on any level for me. Hmm. All right. One to avoid then. Mm -hmm. So you got anything for us this week? Um, actually, you were talking about reading. I, I finished off the Jumper novels a while back, and then I dove into, finally, Game of Thrones. Um, I hadn't... I had read it way back in the day, so I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll give it a shot now, seeing as they're in season two, and I would actually like to watch a TV series as well kind of thing, and the game they're being they're working on. So I figured, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I, It, it kind of takes some work, though, initially. It's, oh it's, yes, it's a, and normally I'm not, I'm not for that. If if a book requires work, forget about it. You're, Notes taking. You're you're doing it wrong, in my opinion. But again, a lot of people disagree, and they like it when it it makes it feel like it's epic and all that. To me, it's, I, I who am I to say? But I'm going to say it. To me, it comes off as bad writing when it feels like work to read it. So I know that multi, you know, New York Times bestselling author. So. We'll, we'll agree to disagree. That being said, once you kind of muscle through for a while, then it kind of, okay, all right, I'm getting into it now. So that, and the comic books that I've been reading are actually in preparation for our episode 100. So no sense talking about it now. Yeah, I, I need to get cracking on that. You better, we're getting, it's, it's coming all right, around. Well, moving into today's <laughs> new releases. From Marvel, we have Avenging Spider-Man number seven, Captain America number 11, Hulk number 51, Journey into Mystery number 637, uh, continuing that crossover I mentioned last week, New Avengers number 26, Punisher number 11, Scarlet Spider number five, Uncanny X-Force number 25, Wolverine 306, Wolverine and the X-Men number 10, X-Men Legacy number 266, and the aforementioned Spider-Man Season 1 hardcover, which I put into the list before I read the free comic book day issue. <laughs> Take it off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for DC, uh, all I'm really looking at this week is Batman number 9, uh, as well as number 9 for Batman and Robin and Demon Knights. And to round it out, from Boom Studios, Incorruptible number 29, from Dark Horse, Alabaster Wolves number 2, and a big week from Image, we have issue 5 of Fatal, the finale there, at 91 for Invincible, Morning Glories number 18, Walking Dead number 97, and the big one, Skull Kickers number 14, where we finally find out what's up with the, the gun. gun. Dude, I can't wait. That, you know what? More so than a lot of other series right now, I'm 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 putting this on par for me personally with with Chew. 
Absolutely. that every week or every month it's like I cannot wait now to see the next issue just because I know it's going to be hilarious fun. And like I said, when I first mentioned the series to you, even though they're vastly different, I get the same exact feeling out of reading both of them. Yeah, I and I love it. I'm so happy it's being written and put out. Yeah, loving it every single issue, and I oh, can't wait to devour t- issue 14. I had failed to mention the week after the when we had him on the show, I did get my hardcover that I ordered from him. He actually purulated it to me, and he put in, I had asked, I well, I'd said that I would not complain if there was a sketch inside <laughs> and he put this awesome freaking sketch of the dwarf on the inside and he even included a, a separate single issue which he signed as well so just nothing but love for zub it was i was so happy yeah and you were not good good, good guy yeah <laughs> all right so that's going to finish us up here for issue 77 as always you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on twitter at cb informer we'd appreciate your feedback either through itunes comment sections of the website or emailing us vince or roger at comicbookinformer.com and we'll see everybody next week